<laughs> you motherfucking okay i'm not gonna use that word anymore uh youtube studio thank you very much we're starting the show now you are now about to witness the awesome uh, a crushing uh, might of the you Robinson Show Stop it! Welcome my friends To the show that seemingly never saw the ends this is version uh, a two, a one, a four of the Eugene S. Robinson Showstopper. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. And version 214, playing off the Look What You Made Me Do substack. We're going to talk a little bit about bullying, bullies. In fact, we could have called this show Sympathy. For the boy, after last night's oopsie, but we shan't, we shan't, because there's some people like that guy who I was choking, who just don't like to read, so they'll never read the subset, so it has to be germane to them anyway, but first, Bob Riley will sing us in, as he has every week since 2007, it's called Intro, All of Nothing, here we go, from Stigmata. Still available from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where they shoot you to death in a nightclub, hit your car with a hammer, and run your mayor pro tem out of town. Mr. Is, listen, listen well. But I could not see so clear, but I'm taking a real good look at you. A real good look at your face. So be in payback and for always nothing. All right, my friend. Uh, here we are early uh, uh, 214. Early day. Got to, listen, uh, to catch you up to where we are in time, rather than do my all my yoga stretching and my PT stretching, as I've been advised, I did a bunch of it yesterday. And then after training this morning at 7 a.m., went immediately uh posted the sub stack and then went running and uh of course eh, the running would have gone well if this track and field couple hadn't shown up you know like the guy who i trained with who used to got, went you know the stanford on the track scholarship he's like yeah man you're looking down when you look down look what happens to your back and you it's screwing up your run you got to look up when you run i go well i don't want to run into anything I go like like what <laughs> like dwarves small children animals i got whatever man pebbles I go, just look up so I look up it did change my whole gait so i'm running 
And I'm like, it's my first day back. We got shows in July. I start training two months out. They also got the Worlds coming up. I got to lose some weight. I'm 219 today. I dropped 10 pounds. I'm running. And then this track and field couple show up. I'm like, <laughs> now they're keep in mind they're about 23, uh, boyfriend and girlfriend, and they look fantastic. And they're like, like gazelles, like whoa. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, well, you could fuck that shit right there. Yeah, I, hey, hey, whoa, 59. Yeah, so the, the rocky music is in my head. And so I did 20 minutes and uh, I did 20 minutes. Yeah, look up, did 20. Well, yeah, but since I got the car accident, yeah, who knows? And then I, yeah, jogged to the car. Oh, God damn it. And then did the, uh, did the care, don't care. So that's uh, that, 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 that's why the hair, I had a hat on. That's why the hair is matted. But at least I, well, I'm not clean either. So at least you can't smell me through the miracle of modern technology, the web. Anyway, commercials, pinko95014 at yahoo.com for PayPal. You want to send a PayPal? Some of you still do. $5 here, a dollar there. It makes a difference. Uh, I now know that Eugene-Robinson-28 is Venmo. Cash app is Planet Oxbow. And uh, and in the old fashioned way, it comes in the mail. Uh, usually, I get stuff from uh, 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 Tommy Pounds. I haven't got. I started to get a little worried about Tommy Pounds. I need to do a, a wellness check on dude. You know, it's not all about getting the money from my side of things. Uh, you know, if those of you, uh, I didn't crush John Nash. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, uh, John Nash and Steph tied for first, so technically I came in second, also known as last place. Steph figured out statistically that John was in last, but whatever. You know, I find that the fights that are, that are, you know, there are two cares on the card, fourth year, that I don't tend to be as probing and insightful. But uh, 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 but that, that neither here nor there. That that'll you'll get that tomorrow at noon. Did I finish with the commercials? Oh yeah, I got to do a wellness check on Tommy Pounds. He just sends it the old-fashioned way. And Dod sent me that package I showed you last week. I accept gifts too. So anyway, tax time. Um, let's. Oh, I didn't even mention there was like an incredible weird moment, and and we'll get get into everything else. All right, I'm pretty sure I haven't told you this because it happened on Tuesday, right? So there's this book that came out, right? My dude's book, Jim Rulin, former Navy guy, came out with a book about SST records, right? And he interviewed me, and it was a late stage interview, but he was kind enough to say that uh, what does he said that the last great band that uh, that uh, the SSD put out was Oxbow. And so you get this, right? Got a whole chapter. So he did a reading in San Francisco and he said, hey man, it'd be great if you could come up and participate. Like, you know, you and me, we'll do a panel. And I was like, all right, cool. This was on Tuesday. This is why I wasn't on Care, Don't Care or uh, 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 If The Shoes Fit this past Tuesday. Except I called in right as the show was ending, but that didn't make it to the air. So, um, hey, um, so I show up, and at the end of it, uh, there's there's a woman there who she asked a question during the Q&A and looked vaguely familiar. I don't know. She came up to me, and she goes, remember me? Oh, boy, you don't know. This sends a chill up the spine of a guy like me. 
right? Not because of the social pressures of like, oh, you know, I'm going to say, oh, I don't remember. No, I always say the same thing. If I actually don't remember you, it's like, hey, I meet a lot of people. Wow, okay, you know. And so I I say, I meet a lot of people. And she goes, you don't remember me. And I'm like, man, did I have have sex with this person, right? Because this is where my mind goes. And I, I said, well, at least based on her attitude and bearing, whatever we whatever context in which we met before it was a pleasant one she seems to be pleased uh feral house didn't put it out hashe put it out hashe is big shit uh jim rulin won a national endowment uh, for the arts award not for this but for something else so he's that's i haven't won one of those so i got mucho respect so she goes you met you met with you met with my when i was with my husband and I go, that doesn't narrow it down. That could have been, you know how many times people have said, hey, could you have sex with my wife? More times than you care to think about. So it, I'm like, eh, not really. She goes, Ozzy. I was like, oh, shit. Not, I go, this was, con- that's the last thing. My mind just wasn't prepared. If you had said the name of my camp or 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 something like, you know, the boys, it was just a wild. And I remember the conversation that we had that she was like, she said, moreover, the first time I got into the pit, the slam dance was at a whipping boy show. And I was like, oh, wow, that, that I do. I do remember that. I would not be likely to forget that. And now I recognize the face and I remember. And so we're talking and we go, oh, man, isn't that Ozzy thing crazy? And there were, you know, there were about 50. It wasn't a big crowd. It was about 15 to 20 people who had been there. The small bookstore, Green Apple Books in San Francisco. And she says, no, she says, uh, she's talking and then, the, and, uh, and somebody happens to overhear us and we're talking about, uh, uh, Ozzy and the guy goes, Hey, I'm Carlos's accountant. I, I felt like I was in the untouchables. If you remember that whole thing, getting Al Capone's accountant, I was like, well, I don't expect you to, you know, your to to violate your professional obligation to secrecy or whatever the fuck you guys do but this is like god put you here tonight and i go whoa he goes yeah that thing was kind of strange i don't know anything i go but he just called me i go what did he call you for and the guy says well he he asked for an extension on his taxes i said you absolutely positively can't let him know that, that you came here tonight. What are you doing here? He goes, oh, I'm really into this kind of music, you know, hardcore. SSD. And I was like, whoa, if you let him know this, he will fire you. You'll never work for him again because he's completely paranoid about that kind of stuff and that we would have some back channel access. Like you were actually going to give me secrets. You know, like tell me what that $10 million, uh, where he's hitting that $10 million plus the, the money from the PPE for, for if you follow me on Twitter, you wonder why did Eugene put that out? The money from the PPE they got for the uh, pandemic that they never paid out to the employees, me being a, among them. So that was several million dollars, the 10 mil and this other, uh, like three or four mil. Where's that gone? Where's my money? That's over a year of having salary reduced 19%. Where's my money? In fact, if I had my act together, I would actually sue for that money because they were paid for that money. Uh, they were paid for that pandemic circumstance, and I never got a nickel. So class action, get in on it. So the guy started peppering the guy, and then the guy ended up 
as soon as somebody called, asked me to sign one of Jim's books, I turned and I become in the wind. So that's that's what I was doing Tuesday. That 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 was weird, but it, it caused me to have this week meditation. You, I mean, you've been having these satellites swirling about about you know uh, Trump had a bad week in terms of the fines and then trying to get things thrown out where he had a good week with the New York Attorney's Office, you know. But then there's the whole Musk thing, and then there, there's just all this stuff that was a swirl in my head. And then there was a comment on one of the old shows that I put. My mother started on Facebook. My mother started asking me about where I started taking karate. And I started taking karate around the corner. And this is 1972, Shotokan Karate, a guy named Howard. And one guy, yeah, that was nice. Uh, Mr. Is, for those listening to SoundCloud, talks about Disney getting owned by, uh, uh, DeSantis getting owned by Disney. You don't go fuck with the mouse. So this guy said, he just left an errant comment. And he said, uh, under, under the posting, he goes, you were a bully. Now, 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 like I say in the Substack, if you had a chance to read it, I said, you know what, dude, I've known him for a long, since I was 10, and I, he was probably about eight. It carries a little weight. You know, I have nothing but positive memories. You know, it's like uh, 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 Machiavelli, he was like, don't, don't be making enemies. You make an enemy. This cat's an enemy forever. Never will he never not be an enemy. Never will he not be an enemy. So, well, first of all, I really, I really like this cat. And uh, 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 what is the who's texting me here? I, I really like this cat. And I, I don't, you know, I don't want him to be an enemy, but I, I have overridingly positive feelings about. It. And so then I start to think, well, you know, for him to to post that, right? I, I wasn't irked about the social opprobrium. Um, but uh, I, I. Uh, I you know, connected to maybe people possibly believing that I was a, a, an actual book. Now, Sarah just texted me about something else, uh, and which is apropos of the show too. We'll cut, we'll get into it. But I, I was more concerned that like um, that I understood, not that he understood, but that I understood, because I have nothing but positive feelings about this guy. But um, and then I remember watching, and it was I'm sure so, maybe some of you have seen it in the come up. This thing about Shaka Zulu. And it was a big deal. Uh, on the heels of Roots, there was this, this fit of TV. Maybe it was the late 70s or maybe it was the 80s that I was watching it. And so they had this thing about Shaka Zulu. And Shaka, prior to Shaka Zulu, um, they and they show it. They said, you know, tribes, tribes in Africa would get into, there were beefs. And they would settle their beefs. They said, okay, we're going to go out and fight. And they would stand out and holler at each other and throw spears at each other. But they would do it from like 50 yards away. So much like Lieutenant David Grossman said in his book on killing, that he says that killing is not natural to humans uh, or any other. They take apex predators. They fight, but they don't fight to kill each other. Tigers don't kill each other, really. They fight for dominance. But in those fights with bears or tigers, nobody ends up dying. You know, uh, and that humans uh, force themselves to do this in war is unnatural. And that's why we have so many post-war, these wars after the wars, wars back home. This is Grossman's contention. And, uh, and you know, pro it, this TV show shows these largely these, tr these tribes are going out and they were you know, settling beef, eh, you, know, you know, bang, bang, woof, woof. If you watch amateur people, you know, they're all chest to chest and they're hollering and there's a posturing. And but nobody's there. Nobody's there to really fight. 
Well, Shaka Zulu said, ah, these spears, they, they suck, right? Because once you throw the spear, that's it. Your shot is shot. It's like shooting a bullet in the air. It's gone. And so if you miss, then it's nothing. So Shaka Zulu invented a smaller spear, a spear that you wouldn't wasn't designed to throw. <laughs> it was about yay long. That's about four feet. So the first time Shaka Zulu and his tribe cats went out, uh, uh, I don't know about that with house cats. Uh, uh, they went the other side, threw all their spears. They're like, hey, what the fuck is Shaka Zulu doing? Hey, he's still coming. Hey, wait a minute. What are you? And he stabbed them all to death. They stabbed them all to death. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And so I and Shaka Zulu had a theory that I remember from the show. And I don't know if this how closely this hues to to historical accuracy, but he said, never leave. He's like, I go into puberty. He said, um, he said, never leave an enemy alive to later come at your tear at your throat. And I was like, okay, there are some people who are not fucking around. Absolutely not fucking around. And it took me, if you paid attention to the show, it took me years of, of having fights in the street in, in, back home in New York before I figured stuff, certain basic fundamentals out. Like I'm having a bang, bang, woof, woof conversation with some guy at 20 feet and he walks to close the distance. It's not because he can't hear me at 20 feet. It's not because he wants to convince me of his argument with something really clever at four feet. It's because he wants to get in the jaw crack range. I don't know what I was thinking was going to help me, like whether my aura was enough to back somebody to fuck off. But you do you know how many times? Do you know how many times that I would approach with my hands down and then remember looking like, man, that guy just punched me in the chest. Why would how the, how do we end up? I thought we were having an impassioned argument. I didn't realize that we had given up on words. You know, so it, it uh, and I remember one time the guy in question, and I mentioned this in the piece, hectoring the guy. Right? The standard I hold myself to is the standard I hold you to. Now there's certain you take you take despots, you take a Hitler, take a Stalin, take a Mao. These guys had terrible relationships with their fathers. Their fathers, by by any modern standard, were what you would say too hard on them. The world paid for it. Now, my father wasn't especially hard on me. He was removed like a lot of lot of academics tend to be. He's just thinking about other stuff, you know. And it was significant enough when I decided to, to be a father, that I said, I would never do that. Now, writing is pretty isolated. You know, and I'm sitting, staring, thinking, well, and my kids come around, I'm, I'm dialed in. At least 98% of the time, trying not to, 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 to I'm being focused, right? Uh, um, so, uh, you know, so, uh, but 
and my stepfather, who was my mother's husband from the time I was like four or five to 18, he was much more of a retiring cat, you know, more relaxed about things. But, you know, you do remember my father is the one who told the guy, hey, it's not my fault your son's a sissy. So he was kind of, so genetically speaking, you kind of got this like weird combination of nature and the nurture with the easygoing thing, but the sharp tongue thing. And my stepfather also had a sharp tongue. So I'd be spouting stuff off to people and then people would walk up after language had reached its end and pop me. I was like, yeah, okay, we got to put a stop to that. Yes, yes, thank you. You got you to gotta put a stop to that. So now people start walking up on you. You, at first, for a little bit, for a few years in there, I say, I can hear you from where you are, which is my way of saying, if you come any closer, on site. But then I realized really what, what the problem was, was that, uh, um, you know, like, and this is why I said this is going to be kind of a sympathy for the devil thing, because if you paid attention to to what happened in, in, in the MMA world this week, you know, rather than let himself be shamed by the street, Crappington was like, yeah, buddy, I got you in the cage. I'm going to get you in the court, too. I'm going to gank every nickel I can out of your ass because why? Because fuck you. And, and I hate to say, I hate to say, George is a friend to knuckle up, and Crappington, I think, is a kind of, uh, well, I'm still calling him Crappington, right? But I, I like the Shaka Zulu zero, zero sum approach. It's like, uh, you know, and I got into an argument with a friend of mine who's religious, and he goes, well, it's just my belief. I go, and? Go back. Let's go back to Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, so the Al Pacino's thing, to his speech to Jonathan Price. Some people believe when they die, they're going to go to a magical place in the heaven, what they call heaven. It's okay. I don't. Yeah. I mean, you know, is there a reason why? These are word, these word structures inspire a certain amount of thought, but I'm fully that cat. It's like, I don't want to hit. But. Am I going to say whatever I feel like? Yeah. Does that make me a bully? That depends. That depends. That depends. For example, dating a woman and she thought, look, your refusal to argue with me means that you're either not emotionally invested in this relationship or you're afraid or or it, it somehow had become this weird referendum on, on my masculinity. You know, because in this kind of in this kind of movie way of doing things that you know couples would have these impassioned arguments and then they would, you know, make up sex. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know. But I did say at one point, hmm. And I've told this story before, but I don't mention a lot because I'm probably going to weave it into my next novel. But it said, uh, which I've decided I'm going to make magical realism. It's like I heard somebody on the line at the grocery store talk about magical realism. I was like, hey, I like the side of that. <laughs> so I said, well, for example, if we were having a real argument right now, what I would say was, and what I said was the most crucial, painful truth telling ever. 
and she stopped like I had punched her in the face. All the color drained from her face. And she was like, uh, okay, <laughs> all right, you're right. You don't know how to fight. You shouldn't do it. You're too mean. I shaka Zulu'd her and I didn't intend. It's just not a joke. Right? If you're making a good series of arguments about something, then and the words have begun to fail you, how do you surrender? Not by punching me in the chest. You can tap out. You can tap out with the proviso. Well, can we do this in a nicer way? No, we can't. The nicer way is to talk about it. <laughs> you you want to do argue where we leave by, you know, where it becomes a weird kind of gamemanship where we kind of, you know, you, it's a Calvin ball. We change the rules as we go, and it has to do with the No. Face in the mud immediately. Like Jesus said, I'm the animal that Hugh Hefner created. In this instance, Hefner was a piece of shit. Not said that I'm I, I'm an animal that nature and nurture created. But that comment stuck in my head. You were a bully. And I have memories of chasing this kid around the street. Come here. Oh, you know, the cat plays with the mouse, but the mouse doesn't think this shit is a joke. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't think it's a joke. So, okay. All right. All right. So then I remember having a discussion. With, on a, sorry for those of you who read the subject. This ties into stuff. A discussion with a, a, a girlfriend who asked me, honestly, because she asked me, and I looked, at the, I'm harrowing her soul, and she said, what's the difference between you and a scumbag? Because it, it, This came out of a long exegesis that I had about somebody being a scumbag. So what's the difference between that and you? You share a lot, I mean, what she was saying is, you share a lot of scumbagging characteristics. Now, this is the one who I said, look, I can lie to you, or I could tell you the truth. What do you prefer? She goes, all right, I want you to tell me the truth. All right, I, I fucked that finished chick. Boom. What's the difference between you and a scumbag? Well, the difference is scumbags spend all their times uh, uh, fleeing from a public identification of them as scumbags. I'm willing to consider that's a possibility. It's a possibility. But this shit is crucial. This like uh, 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 I saw a Japanese hardcore band and their slogan was, you know, uh, and I can't speak Japanese well enough to be able to justifiably make fun of it. But I know that the, if you have Japanese kanji writing on you and a tattoo of some form or another and you go to Japan, unless you're fluent and you're non-Japanese, unless you're fluent in Japanese, you are mocked. So I don't mind. I don't mind saying they had some heart. It was clearly like you know, hardcore fan base in Japan and they had the name of the band. It was like something like, like Roll Call, you know, was, you know, like a hardcore name. And then uh, they had underneath, It No Game. And I, I was kind of laughing, but I kind of, It No Game. It No Game. So Crappington beats the fuck out of George Masvidal for five rounds. Put him to bed, eh, whatever. Well, that's that's what this is for. That's what, and some some friend says, "Oh, dudes, dudes out eating at the restaurant. Like he can't go out. The guy crappy thing can't go out." And he shows up and hits him. Now there's an expectation that Crappington should do a Chris Rock, 
and go, oh, 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 oh. In other words, that Crappington should have some sort of understanding about the inner turmoil that a George Masvidal, who had months to prepare for this fight and didn't really, knowing exactly what Crappington was going to do, still had no answer, that he should maybe say, okay, well, what's the, and that's a joke, what happens to, like, I mean, what I like about Crappington is that what Chael Sonnen eventually fundamentally pulled, pulled to Andrew Dice Clay, where he's like, you know, I'm joking. But he was funny enough, so even when he stepped out of character, it didn't feel like he abandoned it out of fear or like, you know, Dice Clay with the crying and the, uh, you know, me culpas and all. It just felt like, come on, get the joke. I got you. Perfect. Crappy, this is like, I may be joking, but maybe I'm not, but fuck you. You know why? Because when I just played it straight, I got nothing. You let me starve like a dog in the streets. Same accolades, same fighter. I couldn't, couldn't book a fight. So I pick something. Do I believe it? Do I not believe it? Who knows? Who cares? Who knows? Who cares? It doesn't matter. These are just words, thought structures. I'm using them the way I want. You hit me at a restaurant after I beat you for five rounds to prove what? I can't eat in restaurants? Is that it? I'm supposed to feel sorry for you because you got you got tuned? Nah, full extent of the law. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll break you outside and I'll break. Now you keep in mind, if you play that zero sum game, eventually somebody shows up with that four foot sword. Now, you know what they said? They said, <laughs> never get out the boat. Hi, tiger. Bye, tiger. You know, uh, 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 C- Captain Willard, they, they never get out the boat unless you're willing to go all the way. If you're a Crappington, and you intend to stay there in Florida, you got to know, you got to go all the way. You crush the guy in court, take his money, get the watch fixed, do whatever, and still intend to go out and eat. Listen, a friend of mine went to a bar, right? He went to a bar and he's at the bar minding his own business. And uh, 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 some guy uh, uh, comes up and asks him for a cigarette. And he 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 is he he smoked, and uh, he, he he my friend shakes out one cigarette for him, and the guy takes his pack, and he goes, "You got a lighter?" And my friend's like, oh. and he gives him the lighter, and the guy lights a cigarette. He goes, "How about giving me back that pack?" The guy puts the pack in his pocket. He goes, "How about you go fuck yourself?" <laughs> now this is not about a cigarette at all at this point. What the 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 biker who was a hell's angel. What he didn't know was that, one, it wasn't his bar. And two, this guy had been doing judo since he was four years old in Soviet Georgia and wasn't going to fuck around. He hit through, broke the guy's arm, knocked him out, got his cigarettes back. Of course, when the Hells Angels on the Lower East Side owned all of Third Street before they sold it and went to wherever the fuck they've gone to now, Yonkers or someplace, that was not going to stand. They took a contract out on dude. So then dude is walking around. He had a big uh, Doberman pincer uh, called Blood. He's got an Uzi and he's got two knives. And he's walking around doing his daily stuff in, in, in the Lower East Side. And finally he had this thought. He's like, you know, I, I, I don't have to live like this. I actually don't have to live like this. And he just decided to leave, but he was willing to take it 
all the way. All the way. So when I start to think about, about the quality, now you've heard me talk about honor and loyalty and all these fuzzy, buzzy words they use to send young men out to, to die. And I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> I'm not, your, your honor and loyalty that you're saying is you're waving bye-bye as I, I, I board an army transport while you sit in a cush chair. No, 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 that's not, no, 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 no. Ah, not this son of, uh, 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 of a mother. No. No. So I started to think, well, you know what? I, I, I've been talking about how, like, I got to, you know, you got to get out of MMA. And, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's bought. And, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is, the, 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 this is what qualifies me from a scumbag or a bully, a certain type of bully. I'm trying to qualify the, uh, there's certain, my bullying always took the form of, of course, this is me saying it, but took the form of, oh, I, I want you to be better and go all the way. Like I tell you, those guys I beat up in Portland, Maine, who were just fucking with me mercilessly. I was loading gear after show in Portland, Maine, and they just, they kind of, you know, the Yankees had beat the, the Red Sox, and they were angry, and they were high, and they were drunk, and it's New England, right? And they just figured, he's the only black guy here, so I got this crowd behind me. They didn't realize that that was an audience of people that just come out from my show, and I'm loading gear in the back, and they're being kind of funny. Yeah, exactly. No half measures. And so the guys are like, and finally, I, I finally pulled the Brooklyn line on. I got, hey, hey, now let me tell you something. You, you know, uh, uh, um, I said, uh, I said, listen, if you want to fight with me, all you have to do is one thing. Say one more fucking word to me. One more word. Now, I know that's effective because I had it done to me. And it's a really weird thing because the easiest thing at that point is just to just keep your mouth shut. How, how often do people do? Well, I did. That's why I'm still sitting here being able to put sentences together because the guy who threatened me, was, who threatened my life, would have taken extreme action had I said a word. I was 16. I've talked about that before. The guys will come on, bitch. I go, okay. And I step up on the curb and they have those because of the, the intense snow in Portland, Maine. The curbs are like eight inches high. I step up on the curb and I see the guy's face drop. Oh, so not only were you doing this because I was the only black guy here, but you thought I was eight inches shorter than I am? The fuck that? That was the first time I got angry. Now, what happened after that, some would say, Eugene, you're kind of a bully. You didn't have to do that. I go, oh, the guy threw a can at me, spit at me. And then finally, when I, I said, look, that's enough. If you want to fight, you say one more word. So I was out of line. Yeah, get the fuck out of Some people did think that, that I was out of line, that I was just looking for the fight. I gave the guy chances. But when I stepped up on the curb and saw the real fear in his eyes, I was like, this is a teachable moment and you're going to get it. A two-piece. Dropped him. Turned to the other guy. He threw a bunch of drugs at me and ran off into the night. Portland, Maine, what can you do? So, like, I start to think, Rob Font was my pick. 
And I knew I was in trouble when he missed weight. We got, I'm going to have to build something into the picks as long as, as long I could, as long as, because you can, the betting lines change. I could change my bet. If I was actually really betting, I could change my bet like pretty close to the actual star of the fight. So as long as I could actually change a cash bet, I think you should be allowed to change your pick. I'm going to broach the topic with John and Steph. But it was confirmed for me early on in the show where they show these guys walking into the uh, 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 center in Vegas. And I start, two words came to mind. If you watch Crime Faces, it'll be familiar to you. Tender Dickin. Because Cheeto Rivera came in alone. Rob Font came in with his girlfriend or his partner or his wife or whoever. Fine looking, attractive woman. You know. Now there's a girl who went out with me and then we she dumped me. And then she ended up with a boyfriend afterward. And the boyfriend was very impressed that she had gone out with me. So he was competing by proxy. But he he, you know, he he now I, I understand that. I'm not, that's fine. That makes sense. And he said, probably in his thinking, he was like, I got to pick something I'm good at. He goes, hey, you know, you ever been boogie boarding? I'm I'm like an expert. I was like, come on, let's go out boogie board. I'm going to show you. She's telling me this story. They go out to the beach. And dude is like, yeah, yeah, you know. He just sit down, watch, watch how I do it. Guy gets on the boogie board and like this God sent this wave and the wave was just, just smashed this guy to bits. He couldn't get out of the surf, almost drowned. Back was hurt. She had to help him up to the car. And you know what? She's telling me this story. I wasn't there. You have to know that that was the end of their relationship. <laughs> You're never going to bounce back. You're never gonna bounce back from something like that. You can never. It, it it sets it sets an uncomfortable basis for your relationship because the whole you just can't. And if you're worried about that, that's a downward spiral. You got to go backstage, yeah, babe. It's okay. That guy who I was competing against a jujitsu combat and and his his woman, his wife was there, like. Come on, babe. And I could hear in her voice, there was no belief in her voice. And that made me angry as well. That made me angry as well. And I smoked the guy, got him with a Kimura. I was like, come on. This guy has a chance. At least I'm not punching him in the face. It's jujitsu. Everybody's got a chance. Again, the hard school. So, well, who's hard on you? Oh, really? Well, let's see. In a very specific way, my father would say, hey, come on, I'm going to go running. You're coming with me. All right. I'm eight years old. He starts running. He's like smoking me. He's he say, hey, it's just a job. Well, you can't keep up. Come on, keep up. Mocked me the entire way. I don't know how long we ran. 
My stepfather, we play games and we'd be like, you just I go into play, playing Scrabble. I'd have to go in the bathroom and cry. I'm so competitive and so bitter at losing. And then when I found a game, like this automated basketball game that we had that I could win, I dug in and drilled down. At one point, my mother says to him, hey, you know, maybe you could let him win every now and then. He was like, What kind of what kind of what kind of message would I be sending if I did that? Not Hitler, Mao, and Stalin. But developed in my head this idea, it's zero sum. No half measures. You want a play day? Stay home. You know? Stay home. This is a different type of bullying. This is not a bullying that comes into a locale, a social setting, and seeks to find the weakest link. And then in order to deflect from your your faults, you know, you, you then readjust the, the spotlight to focus on someone else's thoughts you're fat you're bald you're crippled you're gay you're you know like a trump or a musk oh she's coming on to me I'm just, these are smaller men with no likelihood of becoming greater men but i would like to believe and maybe all bullies believe this i would like to believe by both example and practice like Anton LaVey said, that I send you on your way with much additional knowledge. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, 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 so I'm thinking Rob Font, and I'm feeling sorry for Font, and then I'm thinking I should have changed my bed, and then I was like, wait a minute, sorry. Rob Thon's 34. Rob Fod can't lose the weight. Rob Fod can't think of the bed. He can't. He's got a million things. There's a guy who I trained jujitsu with, and I love this guy at this point. He's got he's <laughs> he got tapped today by a purple belt. He's a blue belt. Uh he got tapped today. <laughs> and and right as soon as he gets tapped, he's like, Well, you didn't really get that. <laughs> I I have actually buckets of respect. For for the systematic denial for the reality of experience, uh, you know, excuse making. I mean, it's it's funny until of course people are shitting on your desk and trying to stab you with the American flag. I didn't lose the election, but in general, you know, sweeping all the pieces on the floor, saying you cheated, I won, I won. The you know, uh, m- making mock of, of of bad losing to me as long as that's what it is and not really what it is, is always funny. I got my contact fell out. I, my, I did Like I always say, the mat's not level here. How am I supposed to get, how am I supposed to keep from getting tapped with the mat? And look at the light. There's light in my eyes. I can't, I can't even see. I can't, I can't, I can't even see. This is the light in my eyes. <laughs> Uh, we'll get to grandstanding versus showboating. So, so I'm feeling sorry for Font, and I'm feeling sorry. I'm like, ah, you know, come on, get out of here with that sorry. You know, I'm gonna feel sorry. Look, you know what? Show me a kid with muscular dystrophy. I'm gonna feel so- like when I worked for New York City Department of Parks. And they said, you got to go out and do these, you know, mobile recreation and go to, so you're going to work with the deaf kids and the developmentally disabled kids. And then you're going to work with the old people. And then I was like, oh man, I don't want to do, do, you know, developmentally disabled kids. It's going to be depressing. This is me at 17. 
Our cousins, developmentally disabled kids, had no idea that they're developmentally disabled because they, they are existing in community, communities of other developmentally disabled kids. So the outliers are the teachers. You know, so then you show up and you're just wearing a T-shirt. The kid's like, ah, I had to wear a T-shirt. I had to wear a T-shirt. It's like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm the outlier. Fine. Those kids were great. I had a great time dealing with those kids. Right? Great time, you know. And uh, the old people didn't have such a good time with the old people. It was at the Lost Battalion, the actual Lost Battalion in Queens. It's the name of a building there, which had a senior center. And they had a high population of uh, old aging Jews. And a lot of these Jews had tattoos on their arms. And I don't mean, you know, these they had number tattoos. So these people were in the in the golden pond years of their days. They were not happy people. That was depressing. But Rob Font, I just go, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, because because this pity thing presumes that things could be some other way, instead of acknowledging, like I say in the substack, that the, the here and nowness of it. And keep in mind, when I talk about showboating versus grandstanding, showboating is something that you do before you can grandstand. And I'm going to say, and, and how, how I'm maintaining a distinction between the two, grandstand comes from, right, uh, I mean, where, where are you standing when they give you the medal? It's a grandstand. So grandstanding is at that point a comfortable presumption of, 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 of victory. And in my mind, it's it's not polite, maybe, but it is certainly a prerogative of the winner to grandstand. Showboating is when a guy in the first round or the second round puts his hands down and does it and then gets knocked out. That's showboating. And you should get knocked out for showboating. Fifth round in, when you're walking off like Vera's doing, it's like, yeah, that is grandstanding. It might lack charity, but how about you showing up uh, 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 and, uh, with the correct weight? You want me to cry for you because you lose 20% of your purse? Because now you go back to your girlfriend. Your, 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 I mean, no. no, 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 no. You want pity? Go work in the senior center. Not here, not now. Yep. Yep. So, so you know, I, I found myself, okay, well, really, a psychiatrist would say, I wasn't feeling sorry for Rob Font. I was feeling sorry for myself for having chosen Rob Font. Honest to God, like I said, when I picked Rob Font, there's a potential for me to be gifted, and I was gifted. Like Denny Green said, he was what, what who we knew he was. He was, he showed up, the guy who I expect, he's the guy who it caused me to hesitate before when I picked him. And if I hadn't confused Cheeto initially with somebody else, I probably would have picked Cheeto. Now, I don't think Cheeto, it, it, I, I think in every single one of those rounds, Rob Font gave him, I give the first round to, to Font, and I, the one judge who had it 47, 46 or whatever it was, I'm sure he saw the same thing I did in the second round, which was Rob Font doing okay until until he wasn't doing okay at the end of that second round. But I also so I saw that I saw that Font was competitive through the end. 
But like Tyson says, success breeds confidence. Confidence breeds success. You know, hard to hard to get off. Hard to get off. Uh, hard to get off. Uh, you know, hard to get off all that good boxing when you can't see out of either eye. So that's a that's a really deep division, and there's a lot of a lot of good good fighting fighting in that division. But I, it was it was painful for me to listen to it with the commentary because, of course, the commentary seemed heavily biased in my mind for Rivera earlier than it should have been. And I'm like, ah, yeah, I gotcha. The fix is in, but of course, it, there are many ways to put the fix in, and counting on Rob Font to be Rob Font which is a textbook definition of a gift sort of, well, a gift upends that maybe, maybe is a better way to say it. You can count on the gift doing the opposite of what you think they're going to do. Actually, that's a gift. Uh, <laughs> a gift is when you largely suspect it's going to go the way it went, but I still pick font anyway, because I, I, I screwed up and say that he was from the Bronx and he's not from the Bronx. He's from somewhere in Massachusetts, but tender dicking got him. You know, uh, you know, attended Dick and got him. And uh, what can I say? I, I will not pick him again. Sorry. Rob's got to earn his way back. I don't care who he's fighting again. Other fights on the card. Arlovsky and uh, Collier. Uh, Collier is angry and walked out. And Arlovsky's changed. Right, whatever, bro. I just paint this fight. There was a category of fight that, that now... Like I feel the same way about this. It's almost the same fight. Guida's last fight, uh, 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 Olovsky's fight. Uh, next week we have uh, 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 Cerrone and uh, who the fuck is Cerrone fighting? Uh, uh, just some other cat. Uh, uh, I don't, don't want to see Shogun Uha and and it's just he's fight. It's like no. Ooh. Why? Because I start to feel bad for these guys. Okay, all right. Let's get rid of the pity thing. Let's get rid of the pity thing. I don't want to feel bad for Cerrone. I don't want to feel get. Uh, 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 I don't want to feel bad for for Shogun. I don't want to feel bad for either of those guys, right? But then I said, why not? Why not? Mister Marcus said it best. You knew what the job was when you took it. I step up on that curb and suddenly you want hugs. Don't waste my pity on you. You chose to be there. I guess the difference is, you know, a bully enjoys it. I, I've already been on the record as saying I don't enjoy seeing these older cats earning their supper, trying to trying to knock somebody out who's 20 years younger than they are. Ah, you know. So I'm, you can see these warring instincts. You know, actual real bullies don't have these warring instincts. They see that red spot that's been rubbed raw. And they rub it. <laughs> now, you know, you sometimes you maul a guy, right? Prime example today. I'm rolling with a guy and he starts standing up and I'm sitting on the ground. You know, if you win a jujitsu, people try not to get hurt. You start from your knees. You know, you can sit down, you butt scoot, you know. you. And I said, oh, well, today's a stand-up day? He ignores me, tries to do a knee slice through my guard. And at that point, I was like, I think we're in the midst of a teachable moment. 
and I'm, you know, and I see people like looking at me like, you kind of going rough on the kid, you know, and I'm the rough Eugene style. I got over the nose and the mouth, you know, I'm dropping the forearm on the windpipe. I'm, I'm putting the chest in the, with the mother's milk in it. And I'm like, you know, instead of putting my hand in front of the face so they, they, can't, they can't, can't move, I'm like, yeah, you know. Textbook deficit, Judo Jean LaBelle. Ripping, not wrestling. And I was like, Harley Flanagan said it best to me. He said, Jiu-Jitsu is what I do with my friends. Yeah, I understand you got to the point where you're like getting tired of getting tapped out. That's fine. But you stand up with me and I say, stand up day. What I'm saying is, and I'll be more direct next time, is get on your fucking knees here. We're not doing takedowns. If I stand up, what happens? Well, first of all, you have to help me stand up. <laughs> I'm not getting up from the mat as fast as I used to. So, so this is warring instinct between me feeling pity and keep in mind that this is this is America is in the middle of this, these same warring instincts. You know, the Republicans are saying, "You want health care? Good, pay for health care." Fuck you. The get, Democrats say, "You want health care? Well, we'll pay for health. We'll just take the money from these guys and give it to you." Sadly, those guys that they want to take it from are not their friends. <laughs> You know, we're gonna reconfigure. You reconfigure what? You want it? Want a good education? Pay for a good education. Ah, uh, well, not everybody can do that. Oh, can't they? There's another feeling: compassion. I have compassion, and there's a fundamental difference between pity and compassion. In a general way, when we talk about UFC's anti-labor practices, or 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 you know, caring about uh, workers' rights on May Day, it all ties in. What we're talking about is a certain amount of compassion for people who want to follow a dream but find themselves exploited by sausage takers. I have compassion. Pity. When you have a plethora of choices, my pity runs dry. How much pity do you have for me when I can't fulfill my dream of being the world's best jockey? Man, Eugene's at the racetrack all the time, man. He's trying to get on a horse, you know? He's trying to get on a horse. No, I don't want, don't expect, don't need. No version of pity. And if you remember at one point, and this is this is uh, uh, this is not a digression. I'm jumping topics here. If you remember at a certain point, I was talking about the Diaz's and how their attitude was like there was a guy who had rolled into the 209 to roll with him, and, and uh, Nick or Nate, I don't remember who which was saying it. They hurt the guy, and they were saying, "Look, we're in the same weight category. We fight for the same promotion." So the likelihood that we're going to have to compete against each other is high and you're going to roll into my house and I get you in a submission and you're not going to tap? Nah, bro, I got to hurt you. You're putting me in a position where I had to do this. It, this was all functionally laid out. In this instance, it had nothing to do with pity or, or compassion even. This was as foretold. 
But one of the things I took away from that is that they what they were saying is the fight starts way before. The fight starts, we haven't signed on the line to fight each other. So, yeah, okay, so you could come train with us. But there are only 20 people in this room of some significance, and there, two of us are here now. So the war starts already. And if you don't know that, then you're playing at a disadvantage. When I look at the picture of Johnny Boney Joni as a heavyweight, looking all soft and smooth, and people are saying, this is kayfabe, baby. Do not be confused by this. Now, there's some who could say, oh, without the picograms, this is what a 34-year-old physique looks like. Is it, well, as a guy who just started his day after training with running, I guarantee you when I drop seven pounds, you know, won't be the dad bod. Carrying the weight and getting, you know, wrestling at that weight and fighting at that weight and getting used to that weight over five rounds, over five rounds times, you know, is it 30 minutes, getting used to that, getting heavy, work, putting the work in. Oh, that's part of it. But this is not bodybuilding. He has to be, look, look at Roy Nelson. You have to be strong, you have to be fast, and you have to be conditioned. I'm not buying anything he puts down. Well, you think that was taken yesterday? What, because he said he took it yesterday? It doesn't matter. People are comparing him to Francis Ngannou. And Ngannou is like, somebody tweeted out. I don't know if you, you saw it. Somebody tweeted out, uh, you, you know, you don't like the contract, don't sign it. And then, you know, Francis Ngannou, this is just somebody, somebody like a meme thing. It says, okay. Appearing with tight with the retired Tyson Fury right after his fight, said we're going to do this. Modified rules? It's a fight I want to see. The two baddest men on the planet. And then him turning around and saying, any plan that the is a, that the UFC might have for me that doesn't involve me walking away with $40 million from this single fight is not going to happen. Even if they take a sausage bite out of that 40 mil, whatever he's left with, 30 mil or whatever. Dude is far from living in dumpsters again. And he can rededicate himself to being an UFC champion and, and fight the likes of Johnny Bonigioni. Perfect. But do not believe that Johnny Bonigioni, that, that that photo, unless he's holding up a newspaper in that photo. Unless it's live stream. Unless I'm there holding the camera that he's live streaming from. I'm going to have to say that I don't believe anything I'm seeing. And he was like saying, oh, oh, darn it. I really hope to be able to fight that fight in July. <laughs> and then somebody from his team, because somebody said, don't believe that. Don't believe that. And I, I, I understand it. When bodybuilding, the obsession was peaking at exactly the right time. You don't want to be a day, but you don't want to look your best in bodybuilding like 17 hours before you actually step on the stage you peak too soon you look a little flat you know you got to get your electrolytes you got to do they book a date for september with miocic and johnny boni joni is landing this he's landing it because he's making a calculation they're gonna let engano 
do whatever he's going to do because let has nothing to do with it. They can't stop him. And Gano's going to do whatever he's going to do. It's whether they let him come back after or whatever. And in that instance, dude is is 40, it's a $40 million man. They will have to get go more. Will they do, do give him the, the kind of Anthony Joshua money that the, he was talking about? Probably not. But it was Johnny. So Johnny Boney Joni's got to get beyond Stipe. And keep in mind, it's not like it's not like the UFC gives a crap about Stipe either. At least they got a, a barreled Johnny Boney Joni. Single and barreled. So, so <laughs> believe nothing about these photos. Yeah, you know, bulking is 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 one thing, but this is not. Look, uh, people who are talking about bulking, the the heyday of the kind of steroid stack you'd use to bulk. This now you're not just gonna get that way from eating. The way this, you know, it's training table. Unless you're a football player and you're you're in July or August. And then, and then we're talking about a very different story. A football player in July or August, and you're an offensive lineman, and then you're eating like 20 pancakes. You're eating like a lunatic. That's a different deal. So whatever, the touts put out some photo to get the numbers to be, uh, whatever. He's not fighting. He's a night fighting in Ghana. Look, I, don't, I said I would be out if he didn't. I, I don't care if he fights in Ghana his next fight to heavyweight. But I just care that he fights in Ghana. And I said before I would accept Stipe as a, as a, as a and it solves a lot of UFC problems. They got a barrel Johnny Boney Joni. They got a Stipe they want to put to bed. I don't think they think that that Stipe is going to win that fight either. But being able to have that fight in September, it's good for Johnny Boney Joni. Newly single Johnny Boney Joni. Put the time in. Training with different cats. Got it. So do not be fooled by that photo. And it, by which I mean that photo was put there in order to fool you. So that was my that, that's my sideline. I said I would talk about that. But in, in general, understanding the difference between pity and compassion can make all the difference in the world. I'm a fairly compassionate guy, but I got no pity for you. In some people's eyes, that might make me a bully. I guess fundamentally what I'm saying, yeah, I was kind of an asshole, but how much of an asshole could I have been? And in that, in that, in that, in that twilight space <laughs> is where there's a difference between me and a scumbag. Anyway, this is version number a two, a one, a four of the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper. Thank you for listening. The uh, kid came home in the middle of the show so I can't end the show with the scream. Click thumbs up if you like the show. Let the world know about it. Read the Substack. Monday afternoon, Care Don't Care comes out. If you want my picks on the uh, Justin Gaethje, uh, Oliveira fight, they're in the show tomorrow at noon. I'm not going to cheat it here. Tuesday night, if the shoes fit, I'm back. The week off. And we do the Let It Roll podcast thing, uh, Metal Evolution. But you got to, I think, you got to get a dollar to get into that one. Next week, we'll see you. I'm 
predicting Saturday is going to be a big day. I like it. Look at you can tell Baldwin's relationship with his mother that he puts a massive card on on the day before Mother's Day. <laughs> Do your Mother's Day stuff on Thursday or Friday so you don't end up accidentally shitting all over mom. Thanks for listening. This is 214. I'm Eugenius Robinson. Look what you made me do.